0: What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics and racial capitalism and the beauty of resistance? I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister and I'm the faith organizing coordinator for Showing Up for Racial Justice, or Surge. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York, here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee and Erie peoples. This podcast is a project of Search Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians. White Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy wherever we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering We are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December, 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. I'm so pleased to welcome Dr. Sharon Fenema to our podcast today. Um, until just last week, Sharon was faculty at the Pacific School of Religion in Berkeley. And she's just started, like literally just started a new role with the United Church of Christ. Um, and she'll say more about that. But I also have to say that I'm just like fascinated by what is listed, Sharon, as your teaching interests in queer theology, gender theory, critical race theory, that's kind of a hot topic right now, Um, post-colonial theology, whiteness, and all of that seeming to circle around practice, worship practice, liturgical practice. And I'm just, I'm so excited to be in conversation with you today, Sharon. So thanks for saying yes, and welcome to the Word of Resistance. And please tell us some more about yourself.
1: Thanks so much, Anne. It's really a pleasure to be with you all today. I am Sharon Fenema. I use she, her pronouns. Um, coming to you from Huishin and the villages of Lishan, um, which are located in the unceded territory of the Ohlone people, now known as Oakland, California. Um, As you said, I just started a week ago as the Join the Movement curator for the National Setting of the United Church of Christ, Um, and this is, uh, I'll be helping to lead um, our new anti-racism initiative, Um, and my job is mostly to be gathering stories uh, from communities about their practices of um, anti-racism and helping to resource communities to become better partners in Activist movements for racial justice. So it's um, a delight to be leaning more fully into some of this work um, that has been part of my academic work um, at the Pacific School of Religion for a while um, and just shifting into uh, a new form right now. So I've been involved in uh, movements for police and prison abolition. Um, and as you noted, I'm really, I'm really interested in the role that ritual plays in movement work, um, especially in helping us tend, uh, trauma, the trauma that both gives rise to our movements and is also part of the movement work that we do. Mm. Um, and kind of in general about how, how anti-racism is embodied spiritual practice. So thinking about the ways in which, these practices live um, in our bodies, uh, both the practice of racism and hopefully the practice of anti-racism. Beautiful. I love that. I love that so much. And I just want to say
0: a shout out to Blythe Barno, who's one of our contributors and who connected us to to be on this this podcast together. Um, I think you were one of Blythe's professors at PSR during their time there. So Um, shout out to Blythe, who is an uh, awesome human being for connecting awesome human beings together. (laughs) Thanks,
1: Blythe. (laughs) Thanks, Blythe.
0: Um, So today, Sharon and I are going to talk about the reading um, in the lectionary from Mark's Gospel, Mark 13, 1 through 8. This is sometimes called Mark's Little Apocalypse. Uh, So it's short, but it is mighty. we're gonna take turns reading it for you here. Mark 13, one through eight. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, do you see those great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon
1: another. All will be thrown down.
0: When you hear wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. So Sharon, to start us off, let's talk about what's going on this in this story. What stands out to you? Um, you mentioned when we were emailing about it that this is one of your favorite texts. So, like, why is that?
1: <laughs> I know I feel like every time after I read it, it should be followed with a dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know I'm really um, I'm really drawn to. Um the apocalyptic genre of texts of which this is one um and I think it's it's partially because um those texts uh many of them that are that find our way into our scriptures are written for um for difficult times they're written to speak to people who are in the midst of of conflict who are in the midst of extreme suffering or in the midst of um things coming apart um and so it's a it's a type of writing that's intended to meet people um, when they're experiencing economic struggle or displacement or state brutality um, aimed at stifling defense, uh, dissent, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, it's, um, it's the combination of the ways in which this, these passages like this are expressing both a yearning for and the hope in a new realm that's coming. Um, so that, that's part of what draws me to it. And I, Mark is my favorite gospel because it's so spare. And so, and Jesus is so, um, uh, evocative in the language that he uses and the disciples are so, um, they seem to always be missing the point in Mark's Mm -hmm. gospel, which I resonate with as sort of a place of my own discipleship. (laughs) So I feel, I feel very connected to the the characters in this story. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I hear this passage really, um, you know, thinking about it in the context in which it was, it was written around the time of the destruction of the temple and thinking about the temple itself as both this really complicated space um, because it was occupying like this important spiritual home, the symbolic spiritual home for Jewish people, but it was also a symbol of colonization and uh, of collaboration with the destructi- destructive powers of imperial Rome. And uh, yeah. it seems like in this passage, Jesus is like pointing toward the crumbling of that power of imperial Rome and the birth of, of a new spiritual home and new ways of belonging. So I think it to me, it holds that space of the both and of things coming apart and the, the new thing that's on the way. Yeah. And I'm, I'm
0: just always struck by, especially Mark's gospel, which is from what we know, as you said, like written in the time of, of that destruction of this really intense, um, repression of the Jewish revolt and uh, the kinds of meaning-making that they were trying to do, both of that moment, but also looking back at, at Jesus's life. Well, how do we make meaning of his life in its context and now in what we are living a couple of generations later, but I assume still people around with that memory of being a community with him? Mm -hmm. and the kinds of things that he was perhaps pointing to that this this is all
1: gonna this is all gonna come apart um yeah yeah and and I think yeah I was just gonna say one of the themes I see kind of throughout the book of Mark is the sense of um I think we see it like in the in the uh Mark resurrection story I think we see it in the story of like the disciples on the on the in the storm on the on the lake. And this idea that, um, just the moment when everything is falling apart, just the moment when you feel like, um, things are coming to an end right around the corner, there is Jesus right around the corner. God is doing something new. And I feel like this is a key, like uh, touchstone in the gospel of Mark for that kind of overall theme of, um, When you feel, when you are the most afraid, when you feel like things are coming apart, that's exactly when God is near. I mean, that doesn't feel like right now at all.
0: (laughs) Yes. Things are fine. Things aren't falling apart at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of sarcasm because things are falling apart. Things are falling apart in really scary ways. You
1: know, mm-hmm.
0: like when you hear of wars and rumors of war, do not be alarmed. Like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that waiting, like the birth pangs, like there is there is something yet breaking forth from this collapse. That's a hard thing to wait for. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I feel like this passage too is like pointing to another kind of takeaway that I have. And one of the reasons I love it is the sense from Jesus saying like, pretty much don't, don't get distracted. Like, don't, Um, lots of people and systems and structures are going to try and tell you that this is the way forward. This is, this is the thing. If we just do it this way, if we just fully embrace capitalism, if we just fully lean into our history, the way we want to whitewash it, if we just um, embrace fossil fuels, like Mm. all of these things are going to try and tell us like, this is the way forward. Um, But I think Jesus is saying like, don't, don't get distracted from the, the, the fact that the crumbling, the falling apart is really pointing us toward liberation, toward the building of a new world um, that is filled with justice and, and peace and righteousness. And um, and that that's what we're pointing toward, not these other structures and systems or the things that are going to try and replace the structures and systems that we currently have. And so that I feel like that's another piece of this passage that I just love is that sense of um, keep your keep your North Star keep your yeah keep your um, eyes on the prize yeah 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 exactly yeah, exactly.
0: yeah. I, well and I think about this the way that it's put here beware that no one leads you astray mm-hmm. and and I think of all the ways that of course at it, it surge you know where we're really wanting to to name those ways that white people get led astray by, um, by the the consolidated wealth and power, the story the right tries to tell. The, and, and, and I don't just mean like Republicans versus Democrats because Democrats, I mean, I could tell you long stories about the elections we just had here in Buffalo, that the Democratic party was in many ways useless and sold out to the corporate the corporate interests and how the the ways in which um, that white wealth and power tries to draw us in draw white people in to a story that's actually leading us astray. Yeah. It's leading us away from the the kind of vision that, that Jesus was trying to embody or the, or the divine vision that Jesus was trying to embody that would actually get his people through, the crumbling of, of the things, yep. which requires a lot of community, a lot of solidarity, a lot of cross everything, mutual aid and work together. Yep. Um, and instead, you know, drawing us astray into into more division, into not telling the truth about who we are, astray into it's better to collaborate with Rome than to... Uh, be subject to Rome
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. um and so I'm also really curious about how we pull our people back including ourselves because we yeah. like it's not like and we've been digging into this on this podcast for a while it's not that's not like that we have it figured out <laughs> like the contributors on here or the organizers at search or, or whatever you know we're just people trying to figure out a better way for for all of our people yeah. and and we get led astray too you know and we're trying to untie those those threads that are pulling us in the wrong directions yeah. and finding more of our people to do that work together with mm-hmm. and you know I think about um you know, the stories, all the stories we tell around race, the whole thing about critical race theory right now, I mean, how we're talking about the pandemic and, and masks and vaccines and like, you know, I mean, this is kind of a silly example, but not, but I guess apparently Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the, the, the of Green Bay, like tested positive for COVID and had been sort of hinting that he had been vaccinated And actually was not. And so there was this whole like uproar, I guess, on social media. And I saw some of these things like, what happened to you? We thought that you were one of us. We thought that you were like
1: Mm
0: -hmm. on the, whatever we want to call this side of which side are you on kind of situation. And like now he's like listening, taking advice from right wing media people about how to take ivermectin and cure himself or something i don't know but that sense of like what happened to you like how did they how did they get you and that's actually the question for all of us as white people like how did they get us how do they lead us astray and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. make us afraid of the wars actually perhaps yeah exactly Um, yeah And make us think that this is how it's going to always going to be. Not that these are birth pangs for something to come, but that this is the only way it is. And so you got to figure it out on your own and save your own self or something.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it's so interesting in these kinds of passages. I feel like I'm always um, trying to remind myself like who. To be careful about who and what I'm identifying with in this, in these kinds of passages, because I feel like there's part of me that wants to identify with the, you know, I think there there is a way that in ap- apocalyptic genres, like um, they're experienced as hope or encouragement for those who the systems and structures exploit and oppress. Right, that's the whole point um, for for these communities and what's being written. Um, but that's not necessarily me right like there there may be places i resonate with that as a as a queer person or disabled person but but when i think about whiteness and white supremacy like that's not that's not who i sh- am identifying with in this passage and like uh-huh. how can i experience this not as um kind of like hope and encouragement um for me as an oppressed person but as an invitation to lean into the dis deconstruction and the discomfort and the, the call for repair, um, mm. or reparations around these systems and structures, because I benefit from them. Mm-hmm. So thinking about like, how is this, um, how, how can I shift my view of who, who it is that I'm, I'm, uh, identifying with when I'm reading a passage like this and to lean into that sensibility of, like maybe maybe I'm the one that Jesus is saying to, not one of these stones is going to be left on stone, Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these things that these structures and systems that you benefit from, I'm I'm going to point toward those and say those are all going to go away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it is then for me to to lean into that and to really hold that as central to the practices that I'm. I'm living into as a a person who's striving to, um, to, to embody anti-racist practices. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think, I mean, I'm really glad you brought up the critical race theory stuff. Cause when I first read this passage, that was like, immediately what came to mind was the sense of like, I could just feel, um, folks, like when I hear, when I hear people's like, the quotes on the news about like not wanting their kids to hate themselves or that this isn't telling the real sis- the real history of the United States or um like I just hear that people are being challenged their worldviews are being challenged mm-hmm. and, and that worldview that's built on whiteness and a sense of a right to comfort or a right to resources or um like our connection to this history um as white people. Like I can just I could just feel that sort of in the disciples saying, look at these, these large buildings and these <sighs> um large stones. And then to hear Jesus say not one stone will be left on stone, I feel is like kind of what what people are experiencing with with the kind of confrontation with what they're calling critical race theory um, is the sense that everything feels like they're crumbling. It's crumbling. Um, Their whole, our whole sense of, of history and identity is crumbling. And, you know, I think it's easy for, for liberals and progressives to kind of demonize like some of this language, but how many of us haven't had that moment Mm -hmm. um, of reckoning where we're, where it feels like things are like everything that you knew mm-hmm. is not true or has been shifted or shaped in by white supremacy in ways that you hadn't recognized and that that kind of feeling of of um of crumbling of things yeah. falling apart and so like they have that to, experience more than once <laughs> yeah me too more than me once too. it's
0: totally disorienting yeah it's totally yeah.
1: disorienting. And so to like lean into these moments of like what I hear the invitation in this passage is like, how do we become, instead of responding with defensiveness or responding with trying to hold on to those things that are, are ours, um, those resource, that resource hoarding or that like right to comfort or whatever it is, how do we lean into that crumbling and recognize that as a place where God is emerging? Mm -hmm. Um, that that is the place of holiness. That is the place where something new is coming to birth Mm -hmm. to me. That's like, when I think about how I kind of reconcile my own like responses that come from my, my privilege and my, um, my access, um, when those get threatened, like leaning into that as like a place where God is emerging, um, has really helped me kind of wonder about you know i don't like to use the word fragility because i think it's super um complicated but but like how do we respond to those 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 fragility responses in our own selves as like moments of revelation Mm -hmm. telling us something about ourselves of apocalypse right apocalypse means reveal like yeah something is being revealed
0: yeah I'm thinking, too, about, you know, like the Confederate statues and the Columbus statues being torn down and and how visceral a reaction there is from white people when that that happens. And um, the stories that we think that those things symbolize for us. and I'm, and and I also want to be a little like. When I mean, you name the complexity of the of the temple, this incredibly incredibly sacred place to the Jewish people, so it's not for me. It's not like an exact analogy because a statue of Robert e. Lee is not sacred, but but the temple was sacred, and also it was the site of, you know, collaboration with with Rome and how Rome and we've talked about that on this, this podcast, you know, appointed leaders of the temple, right. So they could make sure it was running the way that they, they wanted to. And so the sense of, um, of just, of, of also Rome destroying the sacred site. Yeah. um, And, gosh and 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 also like destroying their ability to to be present there in the same, in the same way ever again, but they took everybody away. so also it's just there's just so like so many layers of, of complexity there and i and I wonder about you know part of this um of the being led astray it if that's also. We end up destroying the things that are sacred. Mm. Mm. And and yes, is this like this it's it's a gorgeous metaphor of the systems crumbling and and I don't disagree with with all of that and also like um we just we destroy the things that are sacred. Yeah. Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah, I think it's supremacy does, yeah. It destroys the things that are sacred.
0: Totally.
1: I was, yeah, I think when I was reading this passage again uh, in the last couple of weeks, like one of the interpretations that had come to mind for me was thinking about what if, what if Jesus wasn't saying like, here's this thing and then it'll be destroyed. But what if like the destruction is like part of the building of it? Like the very fact that the empire built this, Um, temple around and on this sacred space and then restricted access to it through all these different ways. What if that is like inherent in the building of this is the crumbling of it because Mm -hmm. of the way it was structured. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what I feel like when we're talking about this with white supremacy, like inherent in the the creation of this sense of supremacy um, is its own undoing. Um, and like thinking about how do we participate in, um, in unraveling what is there to be unraveled
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that we really are white supremacy really is destroying the image of the divine in each of us, that white supremacy really is destroying the holiness of the, the sacredness of the earth itself. Mm Um, that these, those embedded within this structure of white supremacy is is all of these undoings. And so how do we, um, how are we aware of that and, and participating in um, restoring what has been or rebirthing mm. what has been um, destroyed in this? Yeah, and you remind me of,
0: of how much of the temple in that time was constructed by Herod built built by the Herod and Mm -hmm. who were totally sold out to Rome. So, you know, and, and ruled under Rome's whim. Yep. Um, And, and how that building was not about God, but about, Herod being able to show off how obscenely wealthy he was and how much power he had. And thinking also about how um, Rome tried to hang, you know, uh, images of the emperors or the imperial eagles in the temple. And so, which gets referred to, I think, maybe it's next week's text. I'm not sure. I haven't looked ahead, but just a few versus down when you see the desolating sacrilege set up where it ought not to be, let the reader understand, like, it's a big <laughs> clue. like we know what, 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 what we're talking about here. Um, and speaking, in, you know, um, speaking in code, uh, <laughs> good security practice. <laughs> and, and so how people like the Jewish people organized to tear that shit down, like, yeah. like Pharisees who we love to, to like, you know throw shade at in in christianity like they were organizing to tear those things down out of the out of the temple so all of these layers of like rome trying to control it like but it's this sacred site of the people and so the people mm-hmm. also trying to protect it and i i don't know maybe that's just a great metaphor for how complicated movement <laughs> <Lord
1: is>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: How do we let crumble what needs to crumble, tear down what needs to be torn down, rebuild in ways that are actually life-giving and not be led astray to rebuild or leave up whatever it may be Yeah, in the same old way? It's just going to keep yeah. doing the same old thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think um, when I was reading, doing it a little bit more exegesis around this passage um in preparation i was reading uh one of the commentaries to us was talking about the ways that um like some of the first demands the rebels made when they took back over the temple were to completely erase the taxation system that was that um, created access to the temple and to appoint a high priest that wasn't um appointed by rome and i just thought and the commentator said something about it gives you a hint of like what was behind the rebels um uh the war that they were the revolt yeah. that they were trying to to instigate and i thought it was just such an interesting um kind of like movement strategy uh, uh, lesson embedded within this text is like the sense of like, what are, what are our priorities? What are our, our goals? And how do we, as we're, as we're doing the kind of deconstructing work that we're called to, um, how do we make sure that we're always embodying the things that we're, we're striving for in doing that? Um, how do we create like new structures or how do we, um, embodies old, very old structures <laughs> um, <laughs> as our indigenous kin would remind us, yeah um, that that challenge and change the structures that have been in place. Uh, I think that's a really uh, interesting entry point into this into this passage as well and, and I do wonder
0: about you know what you said earlier about the you know the like the new thing being born out of this, the you know the beginnings of the birth pangs and and how you know this is this is being written at a time when they're seeing this destruction. It's either about to happen and they they feel it like they know it's coming, or it's it's happened and they're writing in the aftermath, like the you know the very recent aftermath, like it happened yesterday. Um, and so in the, in the meaning making of, well, like what in the hell do we do now? Mm-hmm. And something new has to be born from this. Um, and then we could have like 12 million other podcasts about how Christianity screwed all that up, but, <laughs> truth, truth, and went and joined Rome um, in, in, instead of continuing the revolt, but you know, the leading astray,
1: there it is, right? Yeah, that's what I was Stray. gonna say, this is the distraction Jesus is talking about, maybe, like, yeah. a sense of now, especially if it, I'm just imagining, like, kind of in the aftermath, in the, like, immediate aftermath, like, thinking about how easy it is to, to feel unmoored, and um, mm-hmm. to, to lose that kind of grounding, and thinking about, Um, Maybe this is Jesus' way of saying, hey, remember, remember what we were working toward. Remember these images of the kingdom of God that we've been talking about. Like, that's, that's the thing. Um, Don't, don't be led astray by whatever else is going to come into this, this vacuum, this power vacuum.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, and I think so many of us are feeling that right now as, yeah. as things are falling apart and we're watching that happen. We're, 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 we're in that very similar kind of it's happening and it's going to keep happening. And, um, you know, the center can't hold and it's, it's coming apart and there's so many competing voices about what we should do about that. And I think it's it's and it's also as you said unmooring like well if we can't you know rely on this structure or this group of people or this political party or like yeah. what do we have and then you know to begin to and of course then all of the the voices that are telling us to be afraid of all of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and everyone um and to feel that, like you know, I don't know it's with with the whole like anti mask situation with the with the pandemic, like am, am I actually safe in my neighborhood like <laughs> what what you know to feel a sense of of lack of safety that I haven't felt before, yeah, um and uh. Especially like last fall when it was not clear what was going to happen with the election. Yep. And uh, you know, all into the beginning of, of the new year. And and I am not at all saying that like the 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 new president is solving everything because it's just the same old, it's the same old oh, so many things, it's all falling apart. Um <laughs> but this sense, of, what am I trying to say? This sense of of just paralyzation, like not knowing what to do. And as I have thought about this text and, and thought about, like, my own responses of this moment that we're living in and kind of how I have to, like, recenter myself around, okay, well, Jesus did two things very clearly. He fed people and he healed people. And so I'm just going to keep bringing myself back to those two things. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. When it
0: was falling apart for him and the stories that the community tells after it's fallen apart for them, feed people and you heal people. And you keep the people together, wherever they're from. And you don't turn anybody away. That's what we do.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't be led astray. That's what we, don't, be led astray. don't get distracted. <laughs> <laughs> pay attention yeah. God's showing up, yep, yeah, yeah, I feel like what you were just talking about reminded me, um when like back in when the kind of covid stuff was first coming out and we were sheltering in place and stuff, and I was just noticing the like tendency in myself toward resource hoarding to- toward like am I gonna have enough, am I gonna? And then just watching people around me, uh, especially communities, um, communities of color, who were doing exactly the opposite, who were like saying, "I have this stuff. If you need this, and like all these sort of connections of mutual aid that were coming about, and like just noticing for myself, like where am I going to put my energy into this, like fear and this hoarding, or am I going to put my energy into participating in these?" these, um, practices of mutual aid. And I think this is kind of what, what Jesus is like inviting in this passage is where are you going to put your energy into Mm. the, the wars and rumors and wars? Are you going to put your energy into the, into the, um, the, the earthquakes and the, um, all these, these famines and kingdoms rising up against kingdom. Are you going to feed people? Are you going to keep the people together and, and recognize that this is, that is how the kingdom comes. Um, And I feel like that is, that is part of what, that, that kind of shift, that choice, that, that um, invitation is, is part of what I hear in this passage.
0: Mm. Yeah. I had that same impulse too. Like, Oh no, I better make sure that we have, 12 of everything, <laughs> even at the same time, I was like, what, what am I, I've never been like this before. It was so interesting to how easy it was again, that, that like being led astray, like yep. we got to survive on our own. Yeah. And, and like, likewise, like folks of color in my life or, or, or watching those movements up, you know, on, on social media or disability justice folks yep. being like, this is how we do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what I have. What do you, you, know, and I can share and we share and we gather and we do this for one another. Like, oh, right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Still always have an extra thing of toilet paper in just in case, but um, <laughs> it was an interesting thing to watch it myself.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Me too.
0: me too. And have to, to be reminded. Um, This is how we do it. This is how we, well, I mean, it's the song for this podcast, right? We're building up a new world. Yeah. This is how we build up a new world. So This is how we do it. This is how we build up a new world. We feed each other, we heal each other, we stay in community, we don't get led astray by the voices, the forces that tell us we should be afraid or the, that try to divide us instead of truly bring us together in ways that allow for the thriving of the whole community. And so for your call to action today, we just we want y'all to do that. Um, <laughs> Figure out how you're going to do that if you're not already. And maybe you are. Um, I would guess many of you are figuring out how to feed folks, figuring out how make sure everybody has access to healthcare um, in whatever way that that looks healing and eating and being a community. Um, that's how, that's how we get through. That's how we will get through. That's how we will build up a new world. And we also want to lift up a webinar that's coming up that we're doing at SURGE um, called Our Children Deserve the Truth. This is about responding to the um, threats around critical race theory. Um, The webinar's uh, on November the 10th, which may be um, after this podcast comes out, but it will live on Facebook and probably on our website too. And we'll make sure that that link is in the transcript. Um, so that we're working on those narratives that get pushed at us so so that we don't get led astray. We don't get led astray by them. Feed each other, heal each other, tell each other the truth. The truth will set you free, right? I think Jesus said that somewhere too. That's how we build up a new world. So thanks as always for joining us from wherever you are on this good earth. We'd love to hear from you all by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages or by filling out the listener survey on our podcast page at surge.org. And we'd love to hear from you about how we're doing, especially from folks of color and non-Christian folks who may be checking us out. We'll be back next week with a resistance word from another wonderful guest contributor, Reverend Sarah Howe Miller also brought to us by uh, the wonderful Blythe Barno. So Blythe is really on a roll of bringing us wonderful, amazing human beings um, on this podcast. You can find out more about Surge at surge.org and our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Search on the word is resistance. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our podcast. Transcripts are available as well on our website, which include references, resources, and action links. And of course, always a huge thanks to our sound editor, Max Pearl. Now, Sharon, would you please offer us a blessing to close out today?
1: Sure, I'd be honored. Um, This passage always makes me think of a blessing um, by Jan Richardson called, a blessing when the world is ending. So I'll offer this as our, our closing words, these words from Jan Richardson. Look. The world is always ending somewhere, somewhere the sun has come crashing down somewhere. It has gone completely dark somewhere. It has ended with the gun, the knife, the fist somewhere. It has ended with the slammed door, the shattered hope somewhere. It has ended with the utter quiet that follows the news from the phone, the television, the hospital room, somewhere it has ended with a tenderness that will break your heart. But listen, this blessing means to be anything but morose. It has not come to cause despair. It is here simply because there is nothing a blessing is better suited for than an ending. Nothing that cries out more for a blessing than when a world is falling apart. This blessing will not fix you, will not mend you, will not give you false comfort or easy answers. It will not talk to you about one door opening when another closes. It will simply sit itself beside you among the shards and gently turn your face toward the direction from which the light will come, gathering itself about you as the world begins again. Amen